speak on my behalf about my business again. Hello and welcome to the Lone Acting Nominees Podcast, a show where I'm joined each week by a guest to discuss a movie that only got one Oscar nomination, that being for one of its performances. We'll talk about the performance in question, the movie as a whole, and its place in the Oscar race, among other things. I'm Gordon McNulty, and this week I'm joined by Indre Vibriate to discuss Jennifer Lawrence's Oscar-nominated performance in the 2015 film Joy. Indre, good to have you back on the show. Or good to have you on the show. Let me... Sadly, I'm not back um, for the first time here, but maybe if you enjoy our conversation today, maybe I will find the strength to you to go come back. Yeah, because absolutely. I, you know, I have seen, I think there is an Isabel Ajani film in the list uh, that would be fun to talk about because Ooh. I think that she's a very interesting figure in cinema. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be a fun one whenever I get to that. I think that's a, the story of Adele H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that one. Because her other one is not a lone nominee and I can't remember the title of that one, but... I, I don't think I get to talk about that one, but I do get to talk about one of hers, which is exciting. She's going to be interesting. But we're not talking about uh, Isabella Johnny right now. We are talking about Jennifer Lawrence. So tell me a little bit about uh, what your history with this movie is and with uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence in general. Oh, when this movie came out, I was a seasoned Jennifer Lawrence stan. <laughs> uh, I could say that probably the reason we're talking right now, it all goes back to Je- Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because I was, since I was a kid, I was always into pop culture, uh, but it all somehow started with, with music. Uh, first, it was like Lithuanian pop stars, that it was, it expanded to uh, more of a worldwide, you know, <laughs> stars. And Jennifer Lawrence was the celebrity that kind of got me into cinema and everything started with her. Yeah, and she, uh, just the whole like, first half of this decade when you look at Oscars stuff a lot of it is Jennifer Lawrence this is only her fourth nomination in like six years so she really yeah she had already won at this point she's like the youngest person to get their third and then their fourth nominations for acting I think in general uh if not she's up there um so yeah it's interesting that this is like her most recent nomination and just there's a whole lot to talk about with the whole Jennifer Lawrence career and like celebrity presence. I don't know. We'll get into it. But uh, yeah, I had not seen this one before. I knew its reputation. Um, I, I like Jennifer Lawrence as an actress. I don't necessarily like her stuff with David O. Russell. I don't think any of that is on her. I think that's more on David O. Russell and we'll talk about him. But yeah, this was this was an interesting an interesting watch, I'll say. I, I remember I, I actually tried to find uh, a review. I remember writing a review for this film uh, when it came out. I don't remember why I wrote it. Was it just for myself or was it for like maybe some class for some reason in high school? Uh, I don't remember why I wrote it, but I very well remember writing it and I couldn't find it. And I was a bit sad because I was like kind of curious what were my thoughts, what were my initial thoughts, because I don't think I have watched it uh, in those like years after it was released. I watched it around that time and we watched it again for, for our podcast. So yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine that many people 
in general have gone back and rewatched this one since 2015. This feels like it was very much like destined for Oscar. Like this is very much an yeah, Oscar. It's... it's like an Oscar bait movie if there ever was one. And then like it doesn't really offer much for people to revisit unless it's something like this where you're specifically talking about it. Like, I can't imagine anyone being like, hey, you know what? We don't have anything going on tonight. Let's watch Joy. Let's just throw Joy on and see what happens. Uh, it kind of has like a vibe of a movie that maybe, you know, it would show up on TV from time to time. At least it has kind of a vibe of a film I maybe would have seen on TV when I was younger, just like yeah. playing somewhere uh, during the weekend. Uh, but yeah, it's not like a movie that you would really seek out unless you are interested in more like that either David or Russell. But at this point, why would you be interested in the guy? Yeah. Or like Jennifer Lawrence or some other people in the cast. But as a standalone um, film, it doesn't really have its place anywhere, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, it really doesn't. Uh, so let's just get into it. So we are talking about Joy from 2015. Directed by David O. Russell, written by David O. Russell, uh, and a story by Russell and uh, Annie Mumolo. We'll get into it. There's a whole lot of controversy there, which I wasn't really aware of until doing my research for this one. So that was interesting. Starring Jennifer Lawrence, Robert De Niro, Edgar Ramirez, Diane Ladd, Virginia Madsen, Isabella Rossellini, Bradley Cooper, Dasha Polanco, and Elizabeth Rome. It premiered December 13th, 2015, and then opened on Christmas Day of that year. Uh, uh, it opened third behind Star Wars and Daddy's Home. So that's a, an interesting <laughs> weekend of movies that you could go see on Christmas Day 2015. Um, but yeah, so let's, let's just get right into Jennifer Lawrence. So uh, career aside, with this particular performance, what stands out to you first uh, about this performance from her? Hmm, what stands out? Well, huh, I I don't even know, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just maybe that, you know, she she's like 25 and playing a mother with, with children. That's a bit odd at first glance. Uh, but also this is like speaking from like my Jennifer Lawrence kind of stand perspective, which is, I think, already goes a bit of, away from your question. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, it's, Go, take it it's the first time we see, I think it's the first time we see Jennifer Lawrence with short hair. <laughs> huh. <laughs> because I think so. Maybe, maybe I am lying. Maybe I'm a bad Jennifer Lawrence fan. No, I would believe but, that. Uh, but yeah, she cuts her hair midway the film, you know, a bit of a girl bossy moment. Very girl boss. Uh, this movie is very girl Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it's like kind of wholesome girl, girl bossery, you know? It's not, yeah. it's not taking this too far. Yeah. Maybe that girl, boss, girl bossery uh, aspect is kind of like new for Jennifer Lawrence because, you know, she has played some, you know, heroines during her career, but I wouldn't say that they are girl bosses. Yeah. Necessarily. Yeah, we can. So. Actually, yeah, let's get into the uh, Jennifer Lawrence career before we get it. Like, as sort of to like set the stage for what Jennifer Lawrence was in the culture up until Joy. So, uh, as the preeminent Jennifer Lawrence stand, do you want to sort of take the reins for where her career <laughs> was at this point? Well, at this point, like, her, this was also, it's 2015, and this is also a year that marked the end for the Hunger Games franchise. Uh, the last film was released, I think, yeah, it was prior 
Joy because Joy was released on Christmas Day. So yeah. uh, Mocking Jeep Part Two, I think it came out on November. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. So this marked kind of an end of the of an era for her because it was you know her break breakout role. Well, we also had like X Men, her playing Mystique, and she I always forget she's in those. Yeah, she first appeared in X-Men because X-Men was released, first class was released in 2011, and the Hunger Games was released the year after in 2012. But Hunger Games was, of course, way more massive for yeah. her because she was the lead. She was the, the heroine. Uh, and her casting as Mystique has been, you know, controversial. Uh, well, not... not I don't think it was controversial during first class, but it was controversial in the later installments. But it was mostly because people didn't really like the direction that uh, the character was taken. And, and everyone, of course, was hating the, the actor playing the character rather than the writing team yeah. that made the choices. So, yeah, but this year kind of marked an end of the era for Jennifer. And maybe the fact that it's her last... Uh, Oscar nomination to date is kind of also it matches. It does, yeah, because so like she has some small stuff in the two thousands. She's I think on a TV show or something, uh, but then Winter's Bone is like her breakthrough in twenty ten. Yes. She gets her first nomination for that. It gets a Best Picture nomination. It's like she's never going to win for that because Natalie Portman is kind of always circling that Best Actor or Best Actress win. Um, but it's like a welcome to the club, Jennifer Lawrence you are this exciting young actress. We're going to give you a nomination and we are very excited to see what happens next. And then she gets Mystique, like you mentioned. And then the next year after that is Hunger Games and Silver Linings Playbook, which yes. she wins for. And she's like 21 or 22 or something when she wins her I think Oscar, she's is... 22 by then because she's 21 yes. when they were filming the film. Yes. So. Uh, and that's another thing kind of like in Joy where she's cast as a much older like in the book for Silver Linings Playbook that character is like in her 40s and I think she's 39 yeah uh, yeah well kind of speaking about like David Russell and the roles he has given to Jennifer uh they're always supposed to be like older women uh I actually even like just checked before recording this in Silver Linings she the Tiffany character originally is fat nine or around that age in yeah. American Hustle, the original uh, woman that the, her character is based from is uh, apparently in the 40s during that time or like late 30s and Joy uh, during her uh, breakthrough in the business, she's yeah. 36 and Jennifer was 25 for shooting the film. So there's, there's always this age gap which kind of, you know, adds to this, you know, ageism problem in Hollywood, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so for it's some reason, people are, of course, not very eager to cast uh, women that are past 30s in, like, leading roles, unless you are already, like, an established star. Mm. Even, like, even like I think we will probably talk about this, but even, like, seasoned actresses that are, like, A-listers sometimes... Uh, and there have been situations that, you know, they, it feels like the general public gets tired of them. Uh, and that doesn't happen to men. <laughs> yeah. Not that often, at least. And Jennifer Lawrence is, of course, going to be one of, you know, well, not going to be, but she was one of the actresses that kind of fell in this hole of being, you know, overexposed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, there was a lot of overexposure that I, like, I wasn't as invested, obviously, as you uh, seem to have been, but I, like, was aware of her culturally, and I was aware of the sort of overexposure reaction that some people were having to her and pushing it back against the, oh, she's quirky, oh, she tripped on the way up to the stage, like, people really blowing all that stuff out of proportion. Um, but it's just interesting that she wins her Oscar already for her second nomination. She's like 22. And then she gets another nomination the year after that. Very nearly wins another David O. Russell movie, American Hustle. Uh, what are your thoughts on that movie? What do you think of her in that? Because I, 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 I don't know. That's maybe my favorite David O. Russell movie since like he became an Oscar person. And I still don't really like that movie very much. I mean, um, I don't know uh, enough about like David Russell outside of the Jennifer Lawrence lore, yeah. <laughs> because uh, I don't really, you know, care about the guy. And and since he's a piece of shit, there is not really a reason to care about him. True. Um, I think I, I know. I always find Jennifer fun in David's films, like no matter what kind of role she has. Even like maybe maybe Joy is least fun for me but it's still a very solid performance and I uh, liked it a lot and with with American Hustle uh, I haven't rewatched this film uh, I said I will I didn't <laughs> because yeah. it's two hours and I was like eh, being a bit lazy but I remember like really liking her and finding her you know it, it was probably one of my, more of her like juiciest roles where she had to be quite dramatic and it was fun to watch uh, on screen. Yeah, she at is, least for a younger yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, she is fun in that movie. I, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily Oscar level work from her. Not that it's anything against her. Again, it's just a lot of issues with David O. Russell as a director and screenwriter. I think probably more so. But I, yeah, she's fun in that. She's not awful. Um, and I mean, then, again, I think the the Oscar nomination came not because of her like performance, but because of the star power and reputation she had in the the academy circuit, so it was just an easy to easy not to nominate her. It was not much work from the uh, campaigning department, I think. Yeah, and then you can take everything you just said and apply that even more so to Joy, because I feel like that yes. is kind of the exact right representation of what happened with this movie. Because, yeah, it's a it's a solid performance from her. She's not, there's like some moments that don't quite work, but it's not a, an embarrassing performance, but the rest of the movie around her just falls so flat that like, if this wasn't someone that was having their moment at this point, like if this isn't Jennifer Lawrence in like the peak of, we love Jennifer Lawrence, we love David O. Russell. Uh, so we're going to give them both the benefit of the doubt. I don't think, another actress in this same role would get this nomination just because like this is a I, I, this is a bad movie this this movie doesn't work for a lot of reasons uh, i wouldn't say it's bad bad but you know it's okay for me it's okay uh i guess it does what it wants to do but it could do so much more especially like knowing you know how david o'russell writes his stuff well okay i i'm not uh someone who knows David o. Russell and his filmography and his ways very well. But uh, what I remember like from the time I was a Jennifer Lawrence fan uh, and his films with Jennifer, like he, 
he's the kind of filmmaker that, you know, he seeks out the stories he finds interesting and, you know, reimagines them in his own way. And that's, in a way, is quite interesting, but it can uh, create some problems and issues uh, yeah. along the way. And it does. <laughs> it does. Yeah. You did mention, uh, like we said, this is kind of the end of an era, not just for her as like this box office star with Hunger Games and X-Men. And I think there's like she shows up in Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix, too, but like very minimally. And at that point, she's kind of just like, put me in two scenes and I, I will not do the rest of your movie. Make it CGI. I don't want to sit in the makeup chair for all this time. Like I am done. And so she really doesn't have a presence in those. And it is also like I can think of maybe four movies that she's done since Joy off the top okay. of my head. It's tell me, tell me those movies. The next, so the next year, uh, outside of the X Men movies, uh, the next year is Passengers, which I saw in the theater and is uh, just there's a lot going on in that one. Uh, and we don't have to get into that. And then it's Mother, which I think is actually probably my favorite performance of hers. I think she's really Just good in Mother. Her being nominated for a Razzie is like the biggest BS yeah, fuck ever. That. And it it kind of, the nomination partially probably was because of her kind of downfall in the public eye. Like she was an easy punching bag at that point. Yeah, uh, because people will have we decided she, that the her quirkiness that people were enjoying and seeing as like oh a girl next door. At that point, they were saying it as annoying. Uh, and so she was an easy punching bag, and it's really unfortunate that <laughs> they chose to uh, nominate her like yeah. <laughs> for this kind of an award for maybe a performance of her career. It's it's really unfortunate. Yeah. And then uh, Red Sparrow, which I don't know much of anything about, but I know that's like the spy movie she did. Uh, and then Don't Look Up, which the less said about that, the better. I think she's probably m the best part of that movie or one of the best parts because she's not she tasked with something as embarrassing as like Mark Rylance or Meryl Streep or Jonah Hill have to do in that movie. But I... It's it's also not her best work in that one either. But you know, she, she's yeah. She is not annoying in that film, and that's what's great about about her performance. Yes. because everyone else is either very annoying or borderline or borderline annoying. Yeah, <laughs> and she yeah. she succeeds at being as a uh, you know kind of an at least enjoyable presence that's yes. calming, even if we have of course the the breakdown scene during the interview word and she becomes a meme but but even that is like yeah i get her panic and i feel for her <laughs> yeah yeah and then what does she have coming up she's doing a theranos movie i think uh, uh well, with some... adam mckay or, or yeah she's that? i think adam mckay he wants to do more with her but also she's gonna be in the i don't know how to pronounce her name properly but lila nugaber oh yeah uh, the a24 one that keeps getting yeah red back. white and what I think that's how it's called. I think originally it was like already supposed to, you know, come out, but it's still kind of being uh, put in like the clo yeah. kept in the closed doors. Maybe they're just waiting for, you know, uh, 
a better time to release it because yeah. the industry is still a bit in shambles and just yes. uh, starting to get going again after the, the pandemic that's still ongoing, but now everyone's minds are on other things and yeah. then COVID. And also uh, she has some project with Sorrentino as well. That's Oh yeah. The uh, production. Uh, is it Mob Wife? Did I make that uh, up? I think that... they had like two projects that they wanted to do. Oh, okay. And they kind of uh, axed one and are going with the other, but I don't remember which is which. Interesting. But it's in a pre-production state and hopefully it will go somewhere because I think that's, that's a very unexpected but also exciting pair. Yeah. And I would love to see what would come up from this collaboration. And it, yeah. actually, I think it would be like her comeback to the maybe the you know award conversation, because Sorrentino is a very you know interesting director, who well he has a good reputation in Europe, uh, and it's going to be an English language film, of course, and I think it could have a cross crossover, and mark her comeback. Yeah, uh, it's kind of interesting that she's already having a comeback when like her breakout was what like 11 12 years ago like yeah she has not been a a star for that long in the long run and she's already having a comeback which is the like the other person that i ascribe that sort of weird sort of career to is michael fassbender who like broke out big in like 2008 2009 and then was like a huge like prestige movie star for a while and then hasn't done anything since like the snowman uh and he's got some stuff coming out he's got the new fincher he's in the new taika waititi he's uh it's it's, ironically both of them are in the x-men revival that happened yeah (laughs) yeah maybe that's just a cursed franchise anyway who knows um but yeah we haven't really talked much about this performance that she gives in joy uh i think probably because there isn't much to mention about the actual performance of it like she's good she's solid uh and that's that's all actually like yeah Yeah, like she does kind of try to do an accent here uh which like it's noticeable um did you ever watch any of the uh wired videos where they had on that accent coach to talk about different dialects yeah yeah yeah, i I went i went back and i rewatched because there's one in one of the videos where he talks a little bit about what she's doing here and how she's not really going full Long Island, like she's not doing the full Joy Mangano accent, which if you watch clips of the actual Joy Mangano, it's a very distinct, thick accent. But compared uh, to just clips of Jennifer Lawrence talking in her normal voice, there is a little bit of an affectation going. So I, I don't know, it, it doesn't, there's a point where I wrote down in my notes, 35 minutes into this movie and now all of a sudden she's from Long Island. Like the accent <laughs> just sort of comes and goes and it's never really like too glaring that it that like it feels like she's doing a bad accent, but it's never really a point where you're thinking, oh yes, she's trying for an accent. Uh, but it's at least something that sort of sets this apart from some of her other performances, I feel. You know, maybe not the incons- inconsistency is probably, you know, probably on her lack of skill because not everyone is good at accents. For example, I'm really bad at... The, even distinguishing them well of course english is not my native language so i have like you know a reason not to be good at it 
but of course not everyone is uh, is that skilled at at them even if they try hard they still uh struggle but also uh i think the the Jennifer not having like a very uh distinctive Joy Mangano accent is also intentional because David Russell he very clearly said that he didn't want to do a biopic on Joy which is weird so uh yeah but, but then again I think it's it comes from like the way he makes movies he takes those stories and just reimagines them his own way so it do, wouldn't really make sense to have like a proper biopic in with his style of filmmaking but it also it's very odd that he chose to have the title like joy that's yeah. a very biopicish title yeah but like he, he i remember the name and, the, and he kept yeah like, i remember the fact of it yeah it's weird i remember like seeing the uh joy mangano speak about the title and and apparently she like called david russell because david like he didn't even want to meet her he like didn't really care about meeting her and having her in the production. They just mostly talked on the phone uh, during like the production uh, a, a few times. Uh, and of course, later they met during the 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 campaigning and just promotion stage. Uh, but what she said about the title was she called him and asked him, you know, what's going to be the title of the movie because she had no clue. And he said, well, it's going to be joy. Like, you have such a name. And also, it's a movie that's going to be released on Christmas Day. Like, it just, it just makes sense, you know, <laughs> to have it. It's just a great title <laughs> because of that. And, of course, it is a great title. I, would, I think uh, I understand his reasoning. But then again, you kind of expect it for it to be a full-blown biopic. And yeah. it's not. And it's, I think it's okay. But... Uh, but I wish that he would have, if he doesn't want to do a biopic and he wants to, you know, fictionalize the story, I think he could have done more with it. Uh, he doesn't go full, full, full way, in my yeah. opinion. And that's sadly the downfall of the movie. Um, yeah. And yeah. like, there are some scenes that are more directly pulling from the Joy Mangano life. Uh, very notably, they never say her last name in the movie. Uh, She's not even credited in the credits as Dromagana. She's just credited as Joy. So, like, just another further detachment from the real woman while still pulling, like, mainly from her experiences. Uh, the scene where she goes on QVC for the first time and she actually sells the mop on live TV, I think is actually really strong stuff from Jennifer Lawrence, um, where she's, free like, she's freezing up at first and she's, like, just standing still and talking about the lights, even though there's a live camera going on. And then she gets the call from her friend, whose name I don't remember, who's pretending to be like just some random yeah. caller. And then as she sort of like goes back and forth with her and it's like, oh yes, actually it does. It is self ringing and you can take the head off. And I, I, this is because I cut my hand on glass when I was mopping up glass uh, and all this stuff. And as she gets more into the sales pitch of it all and is like actually selling the mop and kind of selling herself as this salesperson in a way. I think that is actually really strong stuff from her. That was like the one point in this movie where I was like, okay, this performance is actually doing something interesting that isn't just, you know, Jennifer Lawrence, not on autopilot, but like doing things that she knows she's very good at and 
I don't know. It was just a, a slightly different tone from her than I was used to. And I, I really appreciated that, that scene in particular. Like, I really wanted to see even more of, of uh, her friend in the movie because I think, I think her performance besides Jennifer was, was my favorite one. It's not like that she had much to do in the film, but her presence was just like very welcoming. And I think her presence is just very warm, you know, and it's something that the movie kind of needed because lots of the people in the film are pieces of like crap. And yeah. actually like watching this film, you know, I, I kind of took the advantage of the fact that I might be watching it and I was just like stopping it a few times because I just, had no energy to handle some of the gaslighting from from everyone uh, Rudy from Trudy from like the mother even like come on like these from the ex-husband which I think the ex-husband it's I think he could have been a way better character than he was yeah because both Joy and and, and him they are kind of they kind of have like this dream of being creatives. Uh, he wants to be a singer, and she wants to be an inventor. Which, of course, you know, she then goes to be more of a businesswoman at the end. But she still starts as a someone that is a creative person. And I really wanted maybe I think the movie could have been enriched if there was more of a stronger parallel between them, uh, their dreams, and their uh, their seeking those those dreams yeah uh, yeah structurally this movie reminded me a lot of the eyes of tammy faye uh in a lot of ways like especially with the tv stuff um and that movie centers jim baker a lot more And this movie is just like hey tony was there sometimes and he was a singer when in real life he wasn't he was just like one of her <laughs> classmates or something but the movie makes him like this. Yeah, I think they met in the university and yes. they were both like studying business or something. Yeah. Uh, One of many think, uh, things that this movie changes about the true story yeah. just for the fun of it. And then, and then I think David Russell, he uh, wrote the, the half-sister character and took some inspiration from the original husband. Uh, uh, and yeah, and even like with the sister, I, I would have loved to kind of, know more about this anger she had towards joy and where it came from because i like my my own explanation that i gave it like uh, it all started with the probably the fact that oh rudy uh divorced her the mother of the half sister and guest with got with uh, uh joy's mother and eventually have had joy and she probably just felt like you know, her family is being replaced. And, you know, it's usually what, what sometimes happens with divorce, say, children. Uh, they get a bit jealous and angry. And uh, and that was kind of my explanation because we don't really uh, see where this divide between them uh, happened and how it started. And, and, well, maybe we don't need to know, but sometimes it's just nice to have a bit of a explanation towards the the choices some characters make because now we have just a bunch of family villains and they're all awful to joy for no reason whatsoever and it's like yeah it would like be nice to have more information it would be nice for her to have more of like a a relationship defined with any of the other cast members like yeah i challenge you to uh try to try to figure out from this supporting cast which one of them would have been second build 
Like, who gets second billing after Jennifer Lawrence? Because they all kind of get, like, not, there's not one single person in this supporting cast that, like, really stands out as a second lead. Everyone else yeah. is kind of, like, very distinct supporting without any real character given to them besides their very basic what they want from her and what they need from her. Like, and it's, it's even it's all more about upsetting her. because, like, we have the the husband Tony. Like, he had potential to be be the second billing. Like, yeah, they they were parallels. Is. I think he is second build, but like, yeah, but what like... does he do in this movie aside from nag on her the same way that everyone nags on her? No, sometimes he, you know, kind of, you know, tries to help, and his actually, you know, his opinions are are very yeah. He uh, ends up being know, right about a lot of things, but that... he gets shut out by yeah. you know these other people that, you know, are apparently closer to Joy, you know, uh, and, yeah, so, and yeah, like, really, really, David just kind of created this, this character that could have been, like, a very clear second bell and just, and just kind of gave up halfway yeah. through yeah. with him, because, maybe because, you know, uh, he knew that he wanted to work with, you know, Robert De Niro, and he probably wanted to give him, like, a bigger role, and I don't know, I don't think he, he had like Isabel Rossellini in his oh mind God, writing Isabel the role, but, but having the, such a name, you kind of <laughs> yeah. have to give her attention. Yeah. And Edgar Ramina, Ramirez, I think that's his name, I yeah. guess. Uh, he's not really uh, a known uh, figure. So it's kind of easy to, you know, lose him in this ensemble. Uh, so... Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. Yeah. The same with, with the, the friend. I think her name is Jackie, and she's portrayed by Dasha Polanco, who's also, um, I think she was in Orange and the New Black and also in The Heights, uh, the right, film. Yeah. Uh, so she, but again, she's not like an A-lister. She's far from being on the A-lister. And like her and, and uh, Ramirez were the two other people that I enjoyed the most. But, you know, it was kind of easier easier to enjoy them because they were not uh, as miserable to listen as, as other yeah. characters who yeah. were just, uh, yeah, gaslighting yeah. machines. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into the rest of the cast because I have more fully fleshed out thoughts on some of them. We'll get into them in just a second. But I do just want to point out that, like, of all those cast members, it's very interesting that you didn't mention Bradley Cooper at all because he truly has nothing to do in this movie. And that character he's was- just there. He's just there. The character was just added because David or Russell was like, hey, I also want to put Bradley Cooper in this movie again because he's been in my last two. So Bradley Cooper, here's a role. You don't get anything to do, but you're in the movie for a bit. Um, also, speaking of like the, the Jennifer Lawrence image of the early 2010s, Bradley Cooper is like a very like a vital part of it because they yeah. at that point it's the fourth movie together. Yeah. And third in, David Russell film. Yeah. Fourth within like three years, three or four years, because it's Yeah, a, probably a four. Silver years. Linings Playbook and American Hustle and Serena and then this yeah. one. Uh, yeah, and then I, I would be curious to see them back in something together again. That would be a pleasant reunion. It would. Uh, maybe not with David Russell at the helm for reasons that we'll Hopefully get into uh, but it would be nice <laughs> to see them back again um a few more things about her before we move on to the rest of the movie there's a weird little moment like halfway through the movie where she's angry at de niro and 
everyone and she goes outside of the uh the mechanic shop where he works and there's all these people that just like have set up a firing range outside the, the factory or whatever and she goes up to one of them and he's like hey i watched you grow up through those fences and she's like that's not weird can i have your gun and she like fires four shots at nothing we don't see what she fires at and the scene just ends and i mean I, it's it's we probably I, yeah, have she, to see like, bottles because yeah. we have seen the bottles getting shot a yeah. bit earlier in the film do you yeah. see the scene but like she just picks up a gun and fires it four times and then the scene just ends and they just move on and yeah, honestly kind of like just, it yeah it, it's it's a it's an iconic like it's i think it's, i feel like, like that's in the trailer works it, yeah. I, that's like a trailer shot i know but like i don't know it just kind of feels it works but it feels very i would i i wish the movie had been more over the top like that more oh. like bombastic and the the times when it does go over the top it feels like it's poking fun at that rather than like relishing in it and I would have liked for this movie to be a more more excited with itself. It feels like it's bored with itself a lot of the time and like somehow internally making fun of its own existence. Like, I don't know. It feels very much like David O. Russell, who I think got brought in to this after because they, uh, the studio didn't like the way that Annie Mumolo's script was going. So they brought him in and he completely rewrote it. And it feels like he at some points is like angry at the fact that he has to write about this lady that invented a mop. So he's like internally sabotaging the movie. That that could just be me reading into things, but it feels like sometimes he's like mad at the fact that this is the story he's been sidled with. Um, I don't know. That kind of went way off from where I was going with that original statement, but I, I just wish the movie had more big moments like that where she fires this gun and it just moves on. Like, it it works and the rest of the movie doesn't get to those moments of like camp almost. I think that like the the main issue with like maybe not on the issue, but like the reason why it never like goes fully campy is because David Russell just is, you know, too serious about himself and his work. Like he oh, yeah. like, he can do, you know, some fun stuff like for example with again the uh, the Jennifer Lawrence performance in American Hustle. It's a fun performance, but I think he he could do kind of like a melodrama, but he doesn't want to do camp because I think going full camp is would be I don't know. Uh, he doesn't have uh, the self awareness yes, and and just that's very the, true. the ability to laugh laugh from himself. Like I think he's the type of guy who would laugh from others but not from himself. Yeah. That's and that's the... what stops him from like going full camp and just do some fun things with this kind of absurd story. Because, okay, we get like what what we know, like the hypnosis of the film is something like, oh, this is a film about a lady who events a mob. And that's a very idiotic sentence. Yeah, you could make, you you know? can make that more fun than it is. Um, but I, you mentioned that he uh, doesn't seem like he has a good sense of humor about himself. This is the perfect moment to bring up this story that I, I want to, like, I'll drop in the audio later when I'm editing. So there's a, uh, uh, there's a comedian, Mike Berbiglia, who tells a story during one of his stand-up sets. I'm going to share with you this joke I told 
at the Gotham Awards. Um, David O. Russell, like I, I said, is, is one of my favorite directors, but infamously uh, shouted at Lily Tomlin on the set of I Heart Huckabee's many years ago. You might have seen it on YouTube because it was, it was caught on tape, it was put on YouTube, it was seen by millions of people. If you haven't seen it, there is nothing I could do to properly convey just how extreme this rant was other than typing out a transcript of what he said, printing it out, and just reading it to you. So they're on the set of this movie, and they're in this classroom area, and, uh, and it's Dustin Hoffman and Lily Tomlin and Jason Schwartzman, and in between takes, David O. Russell comes out and he says to Lily Tomlin, and I quote, he says, I'm just trying to fucking help you, you understand me? I'm just trying to be a fucking collaborator. I'm just trying to help you figure out the fucking picture, okay, bitch? I'm not here to be fucking yelled at. I've been working this thing for three fucking years to have some fucking cunt yell at me in front of the crew when I'm trying to help you, bitch. So I thought I should talk about that on stage because... Because if comedy is tragedy plus time, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so I said, David O. Russell's here. I, I was, he's about where you are, about third row. I said, one of my favorite directors, known for going to extremes to get exactly what he wants. The great director, Ilya Kazan, once said, you do whatever it takes to get the shot. David O. Russell once said, <laughs> I'm just trying to fucking help you, you understand me? I'm just being a fucking collaborator. I'm just trying to help you figure out the fucking picture, okay, bitch? I'm not here to be fucking yelled at. I didn't work in this thing for three fucking years to have some fucking cunt yell at me in front of the crew when I'm trying to help you, bitch. Two great directors basically saying the same thing. The audience enjoyed that. And <laughs> David O. Russell left, <laughs> which was unfortunate timing because he was just about to receive the Lifetime Achievement Award. The woman who booked me came over to my table and she said, Mike, David is very upset about your joke and I think he might leave. Will you talk to him? And I said, absolutely. Because worst case scenario, it goes terribly. Best case scenario, he makes me the lead in his next film. <laughs> we get to the men's room and David O. Russell storms out to the exit. She follows him and I follow her. He looks back at her and goes, give your fucking award to someone else. And I was like, awesome. <laughs> this is like, we're in the video. I go back to my table, my wife says, Mo, what's going on? I said, Chloe, it's a long story, and it hasn't ended yet. <laughs> Amy Adams gets on stage to present the award to David O. Russell, or not. <laughs> she says, David is a wonderful collaborator, which is the exact language from the video, though she left out the C word, which I thought was smart. But like, yeah, he he definitely does not seem like the kind of person who has the greatest sense of humor about himself. He seems very self-serious, and that anecdote uh, always stands out to me. Yeah, 
Well, yeah, even like actually there's something like very funny. Uh, um, so apparently there was some TMZ article during 2015 during the uh, the production of the film. Uh, apparently someone uh, told the gossiping people at TMZ that uh, there was like a screaming match between uh, Russell and Lawrence, which is, you know, expected because he loves to I scream would, at his actresses. I would believe. And there was this whole, the whole like uh, drama about how he may, made uh, Amy Adams cry during the American Hustle production. And... Uh, then the rap, uh, I was reading the, the, the rap uh, article about Jennifer Lawrence's response to these like rumors and I uh, want to read a, a bit of it because the, just the way it's written, it's just so funny. TMZ reported on an epic screaming match between Russell and Lawrence, though insiders suggest it was simply two passionate artists expressing themselves during filming. Oh boy. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> I just I know I just find it so funny just the way it's it's <laughs> and Jennifer she done uh, she went on Facebook <laughs> to uh, uh, clap back at these rumors and like she said that you know Russell is one of her closest uh, friends we have an amazing collaborative working relationship I adore this man and he does not deserve this tabloid malarkey uh, <laughs> yeah it was just like. Yeah, uh, it oh it was it's just kind of funny that she felt the need to to uh, defend him when everyone yeah. knows that David Russell is always screaming at his actors like yeah. this is not something yeah. out of the ordinary. <laughs> like, yeah, I wonder who it's gonna be. The, the water's wet. Like, yeah. I, I wonder who he's going, who the the story is going to be for Canterbury Glass, who he's yelling at this time. Maybe it's Taylor yeah, I mean, Swift. Maybe it's Margot Robbie. Maybe it's, it's such Anya a weird cast. Yeah. There's a bunch uh, of people in that one. I am very curious for how that's going to play also, out. Also, originally, uh, apparently, uh, he was talking with Jennifer Lawrence to to play the part of that eventually went to Margot Robbie. Uh, I don't know what happened. Maybe she didn't want to come back. I I really hope that she was like, no, I'm done with you. <laughs> yeah. I really hope that was the case because actually, ironically, there's uh, an interview that's during the press uh, for Joy, actually, uh, where Jennifer Lawrence says that I will keep working with David until he dies. Uh, and and the... Um, the person who was kind of uh, uh, oh, what's the word? <laughs> uh, well, moderating the Q and A, yeah, moderator yeah. of the the conversation. She joked like, "Oh, so it's either wait, what's the what's the joke?" I do not remember now. Well, whatever. But yeah, she, the the main point is that she said that I will keep working with this man until he dies, and well, that's already. Yeah. You She's know, not, in this one. not very well. <laughs> not I guess very so. well, yeah. But uh, also, like, I just there's, uh, yeah, it's gonna be an interesting comeback for David Russell. Uh, yeah, because this is also his last movie that he's his last feature that he's done. Uh, Joy is so it's his first movie. I don't think so, actually. Uh, he did like a documentary or something, but there's also 
There's also Accidental Love, but that was... Like, oh, yeah. Oh, he came out as well in 2015, but it I was don't know. filmed in 2008, and then he disowned it, and then it didn't get released until 2015. Uh, but I don't think that had any bearing on the fact that people didn't like yeah. Joy, because I don't think anyone saw Accidental Love. Uh, a few other notes I wrote down about Jennifer Lawrence before we get on to the rest of the movie. There's a few moments in this movie where she cries that felt very over the top. Like, there's one point... Okay, there's a point in the movie where her friend comes over and they're just sitting in the kitchen and then there's like a 10-minute flashback sequence of uh, Joy meeting her husband and then getting married and then the wedding and then their marriage falling apart and then the divorce and everything. And then it's just like, okay, we put that in. Don't know why we didn't tell the movie chronologically, but hey, here you go. Here's a 10-minute divorce and marriage uh, flashback. But in that moment, or in that flashback, uh, at the wedding reception, De Niro, who plays her dad, stands up and gives this drunken speech where he's like, I hated your mom and your sister hates you. And now I'm married to this other woman. You guys are probably going to get divorced, whatever. And he like falls over into his salad. And when he stands back up, like in the background of that shot, Jennifer Lawrence is just bawling. Uh, And it's like, because it's in the background, because it's not like the focus of the shot, she doesn't really have to focus on like, I'm going to make this look realistic, but it looks so like cartoonish. Like her face is just like, like, like her mouth is open. Yeah. It's very cartoonish. It's yeah. But I love that. It's probably one, one of my like favorite little moments. And I think the thing is, I really, you know, the more we talk about these like over the top moments, uh, however like small, big they, they are, uh, I really wish more and more that there was like more of them and also it would really uh mix well with this kind of soap opera uh yeah the soap opera stuff is is weird well it is weird i think i think it could have been again if deodor russell was not so self-serious and would have you know actually had the balls to go full camp it would have worked so much better because like jennifer lawrence joy she well she very well well she sees her mother and she you know sees the role that she has taken in her life of being this housewife well she's not really a housewife anymore but but everyone she spends lives her days her house, like and she yeah, takes care she, of everyone everyone relies on her yeah 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 but like her mother is the one that's like watching soap operas that is a very like female television genre and that's what her life was supposed to be well was supposed to be like in the in the the societal societal sense she was supposed to be like a housewife who just you know for her enjoyment she watches soap operas the whole day while working but of course that didn't work out because her husband is useless uh <laughs> useless yeah. uh uh well maybe useless is a bit of a harsh word because again both of them are kind of failing creatives and yeah. she's just the one that actually uh decides that she has to take control of this family because he is not doing that. Uh, And again, like she's supposed to be kind of expected to be this housewife who is kind of consuming uh, soap operas, but her life ends up being that, you know, she is consumed by a soap opera because the events that start unfolding, they are very, you know, something that they could, could have, been part of a soap opera and that's why probably David Russell chooses to kind of put her in the television at times 
but again he doesn't go full fully with that and and that's a bit of an issue yeah exactly um and then one other moment just about uh joy sort of breaking down um the timeline of this movie is all weird it's like 40 minutes before she even has the idea to make the mop and then there's all the mop stuff where she's just getting it made and sold and then all the QVC stuff. And then the last 40 minutes of the movie is like these people that are making the mops in California stole the design for it. And she flies out there and there's all this stuff. Like she gets arrested for trying to take back her patents. And it's, it, it doesn't really make sense. It's just kind of like, here's another thing that happened. Like, yeah. yeah. Like the, also, it, I yeah. love, I kind of, I don't know if I love or hate it, but in in uh, when she's in California, she always wears this uh, black leather jacket. Yeah, that's kind of. And cool. it kind of adds to the go girl bossery, you know, yeah. uh, moment for her. And it feels very out of place, like looking at her, like well, maybe not that much out of place, but like it's, leather. It's just a, a different look for the yeah it's very different look like it maybe kind of fits because you know she's usually you know wearing pants and like a casual uh t-shirt and that's kind of her a bit of a uh, manly woman by the again societal societal norms because oh no woman wears pants she's so masculine so maybe the jacket the leather jacket fits in that sense but it feels kind of weird because like she's not really a uh, kind of powerful figure from her wardrobe and the leather jacket gives her some kind of edge that she doesn't have yeah. uh, during the rest of the film when she is in her home state. Um, yeah. So, but so while she's in California, she gets arrested and the whole like the whole family and friends and like entourage flies out to bail her out which like they don't have money but they, they don't have come. the money but they all come yeah I, I wrote that down in my notes it's kind of that's, that doesn't make sense but so there's like a whole everyone's fighting in this hotel room uh, and she owes all this money she is going to have to stop selling the mops and all this stuff and she just starts like crying and she's like shouts like oh my dead grandma was wrong i should have just stayed in bed and watched tv all the time like my mom i should have never tried to be an inventor i hate all this stuff all my stupid ideas and she rips all her papers off the wall or whatever um and i I, like that moment did feel very like over the top in a not fun way because like it's supposed to be like she's having this big breakdown but like throughout the whole thing it feels like like the opposite of an ugly cry which i guess like i don't know if there's a specific but like her makeup doesn't run she like she's it looks it looks like she's very consciously trying to keep up an image in that moment like i don't know what what it is but like it feels in that moment like she's not given the like the full range to go just like make it big make it a big moment like it feels like she's still constrained within a, a, a like a, a thing that she's trying I, I i i don't know where i was going with that idea um i, I hope that like properly but then yeah again i think it's yeah. more of a problem of the direction rather yes. than her yeah because they would have wrestled, and the writing like, of course, and the writing yeah, he could have given her more time to have like proper breakdown but it feels like he 
rushes the scene maybe because we already have lots of screaming during it from uh, Rossellini who oh, yeah. is just fully gaslighting her during that scene like oh that, that scene is just gaslighting literally yeah. I had to stop maybe if <laughs> she was just I didn't want to hear yeah. Rossellini being such all, a gaslighter all the pacing in this movie is just everything yeah everything is the wrong choice Pacing. Yeah, like I really, as you said, I don't understand why it was not chronological. Uh, it could have been chronological, and I, I think it would have really uh, helped to pace the movie better. Uh, and also, I really one thing that I actively hate the cho- one choice that David Russell does is choose a narrator. And oh, narrator yeah. being grandmother who passes away throughout the film. Like, what's the fucking logic? And yeah. also, All the I really like crazy. I really hated it because I think that he kind of, you know, uh understood that he wrote kind of a half-assed character and he was like, Maybe I will just make her a narrator because he, that this was an afterthought idea. Like yeah. uh, she was not supposed to be a narrator originally. Like he chose to be her narrator after they shot the film. And I would have loved to have her like more like instead of give her a bigger presence in the film because you know she is uh, the only family member who understands the the struggle of joy and is actively trying to help her. Like we see, you know, her bringing going to bring her kids to the party because joy has too much to do at home and at work and just everywhere, and she doesn't have the time. And instead, I would have way more enjoyed, you know, having like more scenes like that, you know, just seeing the grandmother, even if she's old and maybe, you know, kind of, you know, sick and doesn't have the energy, but she, to, to do many things, but she would always be the first to help, the first to, you know, see, I can do it. I can try and take care of it instead of like keeping her somewhere in the background of the scenes. I think it would have made the film, again, better and made the character better and 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 kind of got rid of this this cringy uh, narrator because well the narrator it's it's very cheesy the way he he writes the narration uh yes yeah. if there was going to be narration in this movie why not just have it be joy why not yeah. just have jennifer lawrence do the narrative like what is brought to the movie by having her grandmother that dies and doesn't really have that much of an effect on the plot having her be the, like, what, what does that add to the movie? Nothing. It's, it's just a, a, another of many weird choices that this movie makes. Um, no, again, maybe, maybe it could have been more, ca- like a campy choice, but he doesn't go full with it. He like, does not. He, you know, he never goes all the way with any of the Yeah, he, like, he has interesting choices, but he either either places them like in weird ways in the film or just doesn't go fully with them and that's upsetting because I literally imagine uh, an alternative world where you know Dale the Russell is not so self-serious and it could have been a kind of cult classic if it was a campy film yeah like, this, like American Hustle uh, kind of is is like over the top in some of its weird choices but it's still at least entertaining uh, in those ways, even if the movie doesn't really work all that well. This movie just doesn't work and isn't also not entertaining. Uh, <laughs> well, 
I don't know. For I the think, most, again, for the most I think part. it's fine. I think yeah. it's fine. You know, it's 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 okay. Yeah. But, um. Yeah. Any last thoughts on Jennifer? Well, we have to mention uh, the line that was in the trailer that, like, at the time, the the delivery of it from her is so strange, and it feels like like the joke everyone made at the time was that she's forgetting her line and just saying it as she remembers the individual parts of it. It's, uh, I wrote it down and I wrote down specifically where the breaks are. And she says, never <laughs> speak on my behalf about my business again. <laughs> and it is it, like that kind of speaks to the larger issue that just the pacing of this movie is all wrong. Like, the scenes are too short, but or within, too long at some. Yeah, sometimes. they're either too short or too long. But within the scenes, everything feels so bloated. I think that's probably the way that I would best describe this movie: is that it's bloated. Like, there's too many supporting cast members, and like because of that, none of them get a time to shine. There's too much like focus on the quirks and ticks of the characters, so that even within themselves, they don't get chance. They don't like they don't get a chance to actually explore the character arcs more and just there's too much plot there's like we don't need joy meeting her husband and marrying him and having a bad marriage and then getting divorced and then the movie starts with them already divorced he lives in the basement her mom doesn't leave her room her grandmother is there her sister-in-law doesn't like her her dad comes back mm -hmm. into the picture or not sister-in-law <laughs> uh, uh half-sister uh, her, yeah. her her dad comes back into the picture he doesn't like his ex-wife all this stuff and that's like the first 20 or so minutes and then she also has a friend she also has her kids she also has a job she doesn't like Robert De Niro starts dating Isabella Rossellini from like a, a, a dating service for widows and widowers of which he is neither uh, <laughs> she's super rich she invites them on their boat they drop a glass of red wine she mops it up and then that's where she gets the idea to make this mop and then they make a mop and then they need money for the mop and then all this stuff happens and then finally they make the mop and then they can't sell the mop because nobody wants the mop and then Edgar Ramirez knows Bradley Cooper who's this advertising guy and she goes to meet him and then it turns out whoa he's the head of QVC so she goes on QVC and then there's like 15 minutes about she can't sell it on QVC and then she goes on QVC and then she can sell it and then all of the stuff where oh she owes this money to the people that are manufacturing it. So she has to go to California, but the people in California are trying to steal her patent. So she gets arrested. And then she finds out that they're stealing the patent and all this money from her that they say that she owes because the, this other guy in Japan says that he has something similar. In Hong Kong. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and then she calls him up and she finds out he hasn't even made them up. So they're extorting her. So all this stuff, like... That is too many things to put in this movie if you want it's us to care lot. about any it's, it's a lot. Uh, but also, I just now remember like, the, the, the singing part. It, it was kind of sweet. You know, I think it worked because, you know, it kind of shows that, you know, they, like him, like, even like if the marriage is shit, but he's kind of a presence that can, you know, push her and make her, you know, do things that she could not maybe do by herself because she just doesn't believe in herself enough. And I think it could have, you know, again, added to his character if there was, like, more of a parallel between them and the dreams and the journeys. And again, like, the way he, David Russell, right, is the character, he always, when he tries to 
uh, help her with her business. You know, he always has the right ideas and the right judgments, but he's getting shut down uh, by her family. And I think that's like a nice detail that fits. But also, I think the reason, the reason why they, they made Jennifer Lawrence sing is because of uh, the first Mockingjay part, because she has a, uh, he's singing there. Yeah. And the the remix, the awful remix of that song, uh, was like a, a kind of solid hit, you know. And it was played on the. I remember hearing it on the radio when I was a teenager in two thousand fourteen, and it was, it's such an awful remix. I mean, it, it makes sense, uh, kind of makes sense in the for the film, but oh my god. <laughs> but like in real life it does not at all but I think they kind of wanted to jump on the Jennifer Lawrence singing career that of course is not happening but yeah. singing for movies uh, trend that was well it and was it, not even a trend it was like a one time thing and they were like let's do that again yeah it kind of stopped with this one because it's a uh, putting her next to Edgar Ramirez who is a very good singer kind of just accentuates that she's not a trained singer, and that's okay. She doesn't have to be, but her voice doesn't really compare to his when they do that duet. Yeah, but also, you know, again, as you said, it, it, it fits because yeah, you know, it, she, it fits. she yeah. yeah, yeah, but it, and it, it, he, it's it, kind yeah. of him pushing her from her comfort zone and something getting them together, and it's succeeding, even if it's not perfect. It's it's a sweet detail, but yeah. but but yeah, it, it kind of was like trying to create a trend to get some extra money. <laughs> so uh anything else specifically on jennifer lawrence here or we've kind of already been talking about the rest of the movie as it goes because uh it's hard to talk about her without talking about everyone else because everyone else in this movie is so dependent on her that like she doesn't really get a lot of this movie all to herself uh but yeah anything else on her before we move on well, I can say I mentioned the the little uh, detail that I hated, like truly hate about the narration. But also, one thing that annoyed me a lot is uh, at the end when we you know we have like kind of a jump in time and we see her already being established, and they tried yeah. to make her look older, and that's such an awful look. I can't cannot look. She looks horrible yeah. with that hair, and also again the. Well, of course, this is not a direct biopic, so they don't really have to uh, nail the look right. But I googled how Choi Mangano looked like, you know, in the late '90s when she did the the did the her invention, and later she never looked like that. She never had that kind of look. Uh, also, uh, we don't see, you know, what she's fully wearing, but she is wearing kind of like this kind of. Like suit, suit that would yeah. probably I know it kind of looks like something that you know is either like a suit dress or would go with a skirt with a suit skirt and again it's not something she as a character would wear because she's a pant lady yeah once again it's just so out of character I they really try to make her like older and mature but she looks shitty in that scene I and again the hair what's happening with the hair uh, it's yeah. it's really Again, it's not really to do with her, with the styling, but <laughs> it's something I, I, I didn't want to be reminded by. Uh, I had forgotten that look completely during these years. And when I saw it again, I was 
had like war flashbacks. <laughs> it's a weird little thing. Yeah. No, why is this? Why does yeah. this exist? Yeah, yeah. Uh, closing thoughts on the performance. It's fine. Uh, I think you it's need, solid. Yeah. It's yeah. It has fun moments. Uh, she, well, she has quite a range in the film. Uh, yeah. It's not like it's not very juicy. It's not as juicy as it could be, as it has potential to be. But uh, it kind of, you know, again, I wouldn't really say that it deserves the nomination. But it's kind of understandable. Like it. Yes, you you uh, nailed it early enough, on. That it's like, like she it's, does. Yeah. Uh, she has the the backstory, the the whole thing, why she would be nominated, and the role, well, the performance is, is it's it gives enough to work with to actually solidify this to make the the nomination make sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's move on uh, and talk about the rest of the movie. What are you, a crazy person? It's like having a conversation with an insane person. What else, Captain Jack? Person. What else was so great? Captain Jack. You yes, you're okay. Captain Jack, the flying yeah, jackass. And you know what you are? You're like a gas leak. We don't smell I you, we don't see you, but gas you're killing leak. us all Take silently. Back and tell me what else you did with Sharon. You creature from the Black Lagoon. So uh, to start off, I have a question for you. Yes, yes. You are in a room and there is a gun on the table <laughs> and the only other person in the room is an adversary in commerce. Only one of you can prevail. Yet, you have protected your business and Morris's money. Do you pick up the gun? What I the mean... hell is Isabella Rossellini doing in this movie? It's wild. And also, I think probably my favorite performance in the movie, just because it is so insane from her but it's great like I wanted this movie to be about Isabella Rossellini's character who is this like Italian widow that like starts dating Robert De Niro and is all of a sudden like I'm gonna like what's attractive about Robert De Niro in this film like I don't know I don't get it I I, like he's doing weird stuff in this movie and it's he's kind of on autopilot here like it's it's a nothing performance from him He's just he playing. Got, he got his paycheck and he's just like vibing. Yeah. <laughs> he's absolutely just vibing throughout this movie. <laughs> Isabella yeah. Rossellini is on one and it's kind of, yeah. I kind of loved her in this. <laughs> I I hate her character. Oh yeah, but... she's playing an awful person. Yeah. But, but like, like, it's Isabella yeah, Rossellini. She, she nails it. She nails it. <laughs> I saw also... someone, some review describe her character as uh her character from Blue Velvet after like decades of being in witness protection. <laughs> just going completely mad. Yeah, she's just like fully lost it uh, in isolation. And now she's just like, has all this money stocked up and is like threat. The, the weird, I don't know, the fact that like that whole thing is like, there's an adversary in commerce. And then later on, completely independently, Bradley Cooper is like, hey, I guess we're friends in commerce now. And Jennifer Lawrence is like, well, maybe someday you'll be my adversary in commerce. And then in that, <laughs> uh, that ending sequ- section that you talked about, he comes into the room. They also try to make him look old by putting a little bit of gray in his beard. And he's like, well, I guess I'm your adversary in commerce now. And I wrote down in my notes, all would be forgiven if she just picked up a gun and shot him and the movie just ended there. But again, really- David Russell, he's, you know, he's not not funny enough not yeah. you know to think of to be a comedy the movie tries to be a comedy it's not funny okay it has like funny moments but it, i would never call it a comedy like never yeah it puts in like 
a joke every five or six minutes. Like there's a point where she's at the QVC headquarters and Bradley Cooper is talking to one of their salesmen and he goes, you're my number one salesman, Todd, or whatever. And then this woman in the background stands up and is like, he's your number one salesman. I thought I was your number one salesman. And she walks off and they play it like a joke, but there's not a, a joke there. It's just a, a weird moment. Or like how, isn't it funny that Edgar Ramirez pronounces it Amish instead of Amish? That's kind of a joke. It's not, but the movie wants you to think it is because it needs to be a comedy. And it's yeah, and it's like uh, not funny. Uh, it's like funny. I, I uh, don't I don't But also like the only like this kind of cheesy half ass joke that kinda of worked for me because it was just like silly goofy thing is the Rudy Trudy situation. Yeah. But also like the only the only explanation I could have think of of why David Russell thought that this relationship made sense is maybe you know someone told him that you know women uh they don't care about looks, they care about personality. And he wrote this little joke and thought that will solidify this relationship. Make you it know, work. she she find his Trudy Rudy joke coincidence funny and <laughs> she fell in love with this uh useless man yeah oh <laughs> man yeah de niro is just oh, he has he has nothing to do in this movie aside from like his first scene where he shows back up because his new girlfriend is like you can have him back i don't want him he's a piece of shit he's your problem again and then he goes into virginia madsen who she's doing some real crazy shit in this movie as the mom uh and like i don't know what's what direction he gave to her but she is uh making some weird choices as this character. But uh, De Niro goes into her room and starts just shouting at her and is like, oh, I went to a museum and they gave us food and I liked it and I like museums and I'm going to throw all your glass on the floor because I don't like you and this is my house now. And it's... And then after that, he just has nothing to do in the movie. And it's weird that it's Robert De Niro. He's just screaming. Always. Yeah. He's, he's, he's just there to scream. Uh, and like the mother character, like... Uh, Again, I think she would have worked so well in the film if it was more campy. It was like full camp. Like yeah. I would have understood like you her can make part it, way more. You can make it Grey Gardens where she's this woman that never leaves her bed. She only yeah. watches uh, soap operas on her TV. She somehow manages to keep spilling yogurt on her rug, which like... Which that, makes no sense because she doesn't leave her bed. She doesn't leave her bed. <laughs> and she, she, gets, she gets really like scared that this uh this haitian plumber is in her bedroom to fix the pipes because she doesn't want a man in her room and then she ends up falling in love with him and he teaches her french and like teaches her how to make french food and that just is like a plot line that doesn't add anything doesn't mean anything it's just there to like exist as another thing that the movie has going on um and just like all of this stuff uh come it just comes down to david o russell doesn't seem like he's interested in this material. And, yeah, we, and yeah, it we'll was get, very yeah. funny because during like the press tour, uh, I remember him definitely like trying to say that oh he had find so much of him in joy and her journey. <laughs> it's like, oh boy. sure, dude, sure. Um, so like the original script is written by Annie Mumolo, who. Uh, She's a co-writer on Bridesmaid. She works a lot with Kristen Wiig. This was originally going to star Kristen Wiig as Joy. And it was going to be 
humorous, but a more like straight biopic of Shoy Mangano. And the, like the whole script is out there online if you want to find her original script. I didn't oh. get a chance to read through much of it, but like if you look up the original script, there's like a some like some Reddit post that's like here's a link to the entire PDF. Uh, so I I I wanted to read through some of that, but uh, the the studio executives at Fox didn't like it for whatever reason. They thought it like like they thought it was spending too much time on the mop, which like is the like that's the, <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's point. the point. That's what the movie was sold on anyway. <laughs> so they bring in David O. Russell. He basically he doesn't even like touch up her script. He just fully excises everything she's written, rewrites the entire thing. Pushes out Kristen Wiig, pushes her out, casts Jennifer Lawrence, adds this sister-in-law character for more uh, dynamic whatever, adds the Diane Ladd character, adds the uh, uh, Isabella Rossellini character, adds the Bradley Cooper character, changes all this stuff, gets rid of, like, any, like, he keeps the mop and he keeps her name Joy, but he doesn't mention Mangano, he doesn't mention the miracle mop by name, and he's like, oh, well, I'm gonna, like, yeah, sure, it's inspired by the story of Joy Mangano, but it's also just as much inspired by my mom and her friends and, like, other women in history and in my life and all this stuff. And I'm just going to make it about all of them. And it makes you think, like, man, David O. Russell really must hate the women in his life if, if this is how he's writing his female characters. Yeah, to, because all of them like, are awful. Yeah. Except Joy and, of course, well, the friend. Yeah. Uh, the friend gets nothing to do, though. Like, yeah. Maybe, yeah, like she's just charming, but he just doesn't use yeah. her at all. And really, like as you already mentioned, the 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 moment in the the studio when when she calls, uh, and you know they start talking about the mob, and and you know Joy uh, gets into pitching. That's such a great moment, and it would have been nice to see like more like these kind of supporting moments between two women because again this is like a story about a mob that's created by a woman for women because and, and it would have been so cool to see all like more these wholesome moments yeah it uh, would have been just to see any of like her actual career like taking it back to the comparison to eyes of tammy faye yeah that movie has like a good what 20 minutes of setup before they start their TV show or whatever. And, but then from then on, the rest of the movie, most of it takes place, it, like it has to do with their show and their public persona. And yeah, it gets into their personal life. But most of what we're watching in the movie is these like public moments in the, the story of, the, of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. And this movie spends so long to get to QVC and to get to, like, what any average person who would have been aware of Joy Mangano, which isn't many. This, she wasn't, like, a, a big personality that everyone would have known before the movie. But, like, that, if anyone recognized her story, it would have been for her infomercials. And it spends, like, a scene and a half of her doing her infomercials and then moves on from that. And, the, like, if the movie had spent more time about Joy Mangano, this public figure that like people might have seen on their tv channels late at night whatever and then like but also here's what was going on behind the scenes concurrent to all that it would have been a much more interesting story and as it stands the movie takes too long to get to that part and then immediately abandons it and goes to other stuff that we don't care about and just like yeah 
it, it I think doesn't Russell just really story. wanted to make kind of add some crime aspect to it because that's what he maybe cares about <laughs> like it was his way to making it his own story maybe I guess but like yeah. again the, the crime part it's not you know we get the girl bossery moment but it's just ah it's just the, the more exciting stuff and there then Jennifer Lawrence uh cutting her hair and walking everywhere with a leather jacket there are more exciting things to show than yeah. that it's worth noting by the way that the uh the Annie Mumolo script opens on the scene with joy on the set of the of her first uh live commercial where she's frozen in the lights and she doesn't like she's about to sell them up but she can't and then from there it flashes back to her wedding and then moves on in like a linear story from there uh and then it's about like the the mistakes she makes along the way with the business but then how she like overcomes those issues and ends with her you know at the height of her career and like that's a that's a it's kind of that a for- sounds like a way more logical way to... it sounds more tight like it sounds yeah. more direct in like it knows the story it wants to tell in just this like two sentence that I'm like a BuzzFeed article that like in one paragraph describes here are the beats that the the original script takes along the way and that feels like it's much more succinct I mean obviously because it's a paragraph but it it feels like in that I'm getting a more thorough story than whatever this this movie is like I don't know the point that this movie is trying to say about joy is it that it's kind of an underdog story I guess it is but like 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 there's all the stuff where she's a kid and it's like oh she made this paper castle and she's very like inventive and very pointedly the movie's like it makes a point to make her say I don't need a prince that's my special power I don't need a prince and is the movie saying that like she sacrifices having good relationships with the people in her life in order to be a successful business person because that's not a good message that doesn't that's just like again was there like ever did she ever have like a good relationship with her family Uh, i mean that she had a good relationship with her grandmother who dies and her ex-husband as a friend yeah and and her kids her friend as well and her kid but like you know it's it's a kid it's not that hard to have a good relationship with your kid also the kid doesn't really have like it's not really important to her business uh, yeah. And everyone in her family kind of are. And yeah, but the thing is, I think with David Russell, he wanted to maybe thought, okay, I can create a underdog story. And he, what he did was he kind of, you know, showed her succeeding at something. And then he immediately took it away. So there would be like something to progress the story with. Uh, yeah. A new thing that she has to deal with. Uh a new fight she has to pick and win somehow to keep uh, going further to reaching to reach her dream eventually like like with with in the childhood where like we see her being created and, and stuff and then and then uh the first i don't think it was like the initial divorce that happens when when we see the flashback of like rudy and the mother storming into the room because oh, yeah. apparently because it kind of looks like it's, you know, they're divorcing, but also they, they, they have been married together for a way more than a decade, like almost two decades. So it can't be, it doesn't make sense for them to be like a proper separation. Maybe that was like the first 
time, like the first big fight. A fight, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not like the movie kind of, cares. It's yeah, not like the movie cares to uh, to focus yeah, on those but like, things. Again, that kind of that fight, that disruptions in the family, kind of, you know, kind of uh, paralyzes the little jo- little joy, and 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 she s- abandons her creativity, kind of. I guess, uh, then yeah. we see, you know, her kind of becoming again creative with while meeting her uh, husband, you know, kind of, you know, her taking inspiration from him and maybe, you know, destroying her, her, well, not destroying, but, you know, kind of doing something she would have not done by herself. But then, you know, they start fighting because neither of them are good at making money. <laughs> yeah. And being the head of the family and she kind of, has to he's forced to become one because he's not doing that and and again that takes away her well whatever we have she has built at that point inside of herself and and what he basically what he does in this film is he gives he like he lets her have something and it takes it away and that's how he builds this underdog story she constantly has to uh do something in order to achieve something uh yeah. which you know it, it's realistic but it doesn't make for it interesting it movie gets, making. it gets a bit too old too quickly like yeah 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 it uh speaking of things that get too old too quickly in this movie uh what what do you what do you think of the uh uh, soap opera framing device. Like the movie opens, I thought I was watching the wrong movie because the opening of the movie is like a black and white sequence of these people standing in a room doing like over the top soap opera tropes, just talking at each other. And then the movie starts happening for real. And then every once in a while, she will have like this dream sequence where she's in the soap opera that her mom's watching. And it feels like it, it's going back to the movie is making fun of these tropes while also trying to have them in its movie, but like to have them ironically in a way that like, I don't know. I don't really know. It's, it's just weird. I, I, I don't like that. As I mentioned, as I mentioned, you, I think, you know, he kind of tried to make it uh, kind of a metaphor throughout the film because she's supposed to be, you know, a housewife who's like consuming the the soap operas uh, for her like um, pleasure, as I mentioned. And like that makes uh, sense to have it in the background, but yeah. like to have it as this like framing device that every once in a while she'll have a dream where she's in the soap um, opera. It just feels like like he it wanted would have to made something. it would have made more sense if he actually had the balls again go full camp. Yes, and, and but he, he doesn't. doesn't. Yeah. and. Again, it just ends up being kind of weirdly done. And actually, I think one of the biggest problems is the way he crafts those scenes because they are so awkwardly filmed, uh, yeah, so awkwardly framed often. And it's just like, again, it seems like he had this idea, but he didn't really care enough about it. Uh, to properly execute it, uh, yeah. I, I I don't know. I found it interesting, but 
it doesn't add much to the film. Like it could uh, could uh, have added way more if it was executed fully. Maybe it would have not worked at the end, but at least you know he would have went all in with it, and he doesn't. And, yeah. and again, that's an um, an issue that's <laughs> very apparent throughout the whole film. Yeah, it it just it's just a a weird pastiche that he throws in a few times and then kind of forgets about for the latter half of the movie. It just it it doesn't add anything and it it just sort of makes the movie feel like again, like it's just overstuffed with ideas that are like they're all half-baked. None of them are really investigated enough yeah. to have an interesting outlook. I don't know. And this is one of many uh, bi- like big forefronted issues that just doesn't work on a formulaic level. We did it again. We uh, still haven't mentioned Bradley Cooper at all. Uh, well, I mean, he's just fine. Like he's, he's just there. there. He's there for he's a couple doing scenes. This thing. I mean, I kind I know I like him, but that movie. But just because you know, he has a simple job. He nails it, and it's yeah. fine. It's yeah, fine. it's fine. There's there's nothing what, else to say. What the thing that kind of I didn't know. I I was not really sure if I liked Joyce. And when they are uh, when Joyce in the pitching room in the meeting room and she's pitching or trying to pitch uh, her her mop for the first time, because you know later she does it one on one on one. But when she's trying to do the setup for her pitching. You know, we don't really see her do it. We just rather follow his gaze. Yeah. And that's, I just didn't understand the choice of that because like, he's not really an important character. And again, maybe he was like trying to just showcase the, the power structure that, you know, he like, this she's again trying to pitch uh, a creation that usually women are using for, and it's for a man. Yeah, uh, because he is in charge, and I don't know. It was a weird choice. Um, There's a lot of weird choices like that in this. Yeah, movie. It, it, <laughs> yeah. It, it's not like David or Russell. It feels like he's just kind of like, well, I'm gonna shoot the movie however I feel like. I'm not gonna put much thought into where the edits are going and what the camera focuses on. Fuck no, you. Again, now as we talk about this film and it's inconsistent, inconsistent, incon- wait, what's the word? In- inconsistency. <laughs> yes, inconsistency. Um, whatever. You got it, you got it. I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I, can't, I think the, the, the alleged screaming match makes more and more sense. <laughs> yeah, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised at all. Yeah. Uh, anything else on oh th- there was one scene that I thought was unintentionally very funny where uh, Joy I think either gets a call about something or for whatever reason she knows she has to go home and she goes it's home it's the, the, the grandmother passed away yes it's the grandmother's passing away but I can't remember how she gets told about it but she, she walks into the living room and everyone is just standing around staring at the door waiting like it's like the like it it's kind of emblematic of how the rest of the movie is is that none of these people seem to have an external life they all just exist 
to rely on Joy and to like actually do nothing, to, like, just complain. leech off of her. So like it feels like, like there's a Simpsons gag where uh like Homer leaves the bar and then Lenny and Carl just like return to like the natural state of just stand like staring forward until Homer shows back up again because he's the protagonist. It feels like that. Like everyone in this lobby or like in this front room is just like standing around waiting for Joy to show up, staring at the door. And she walks in and then everyone's like, oh, we're sad. I'm sorry. Your grandmother's about to die. And she goes upstairs and it's like, like her last moments are right before she dies. I don't think she even has a last line. She's just like, and then she dies. And then it cuts to the funeral and everyone's sitting around. And then for half a second, Diane Ladd just like shows up again as like maybe a ghost sitting next to Joy and then she's gone. And like, what's the point of it? This character has done nothing in this movie. Um, yeah, and again, it's lost opportunity because like she's, you know, one of those characters that could have, you know, uh, done something. something, you know, yeah. uh, because she was a positive presence that you know, Joy kind of needed because <laughs> this family of useless gaslighters <laughs> yeah but again instead they the wrestle let her be a narrator <laughs> this is quite literally gaslight gatekeep girl boss the movie <laughs> it, it literally is uh yeah i don't have anything else well uh there's a few moments in flashback where we get cgi de-aged robert de niro before the irishman and i thought that was kind of funny uh but I don't the have influence. anything else to say about that. Joy's influence. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Martin Scorsese clearly drew uh, so much influence from this movie. Yeah. Uh, this was the big... Yeah, no, I got nothing else. Um, this is a, a, a reteaming of Isabella Rossellini and uh, Diane Ladd from previous episode, Wild at Heart. They're also both in that movie. Nothing more <laughs> to say about that, but it's funny that I've talked about two movies with both of them in, the, in it. Yeah, I got. I have nothing else to say about the actual movie. What about you? Any anything before we move on to the Oscars? I mean, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't, it's it's not really a movie you have to talk too much about. You know, we don't have yeah. to. It's really not a film that asks you to find reasons to continue talking about it. It's just fine. It's it's it just exists, and mm-hmm. let's let it exist. Yeah. Uh, it um, does kind yeah. of just exist. That's about as high a uh, praise as I can give it. It exists. <laughs> Here are the nominees for performance by an actress in a leading role. Kate Blanchett, Carol. Brie <laughs> Larson, Brie. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence, Joy. Charlotte Brunke, 45 years. Saoirse Ronan, Brooklyn. Yeah, let's, uh, we can move on and talk about, I almost said Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, we can talk about (laughs) Joy at the uh, 2015 Oscars and awards race. Before we get into the Oscars, uh, though, I've gone back and looked at some, like, year in advance predictions from this year uh, from like Oscar predictors. And 
this movie, because it's coming on the heels of David O. Russell with The Fighter, with Silver Linings Playbook, and with American Hustle being like the guy that the Academy is in love with at this point. And like his movies get multiple acting nominations. They win, like he had at this point directed three actors to Oscar wins. Uh, Silver Linings Playbook was like a huge thing. And they were all huge in their years, specifically with the Oscars. So it would make sense that he's doing another movie. It's supposedly a true story, whatever. Jennifer Lawrence again, Robert De Niro, all these people. Like this movie was on a lot of long list predictions for like picture, director, actress, supporting actor, screenplay, all these different categories. And then it screened for critics and right away, like everyone simultaneously removed it from their predictions because nobody uh, liked the movie or thought that it was going to be much of a thing outside of Jennifer Lawrence. And it turns out they were right because we're talking about it here today. Uh, but regardless, it still had somewhat of a showing at some of these other uh, precursors and guilds and stuff. So at the Golden Globes, it is nominated for Best Picture, Musical, or Comedy, which as we've stated, I mean, it's not a comedy. But again, like getting nominated for like like best comedy musical category in Golden Globes is just like it's not easy to get into that. Yeah, The uh, Martian has the Martian been put the, in that. The Martian category. won. The Martian won this year. <laughs> best. Uh, and, oh, it was the same year. Oh my yeah. god. And then uh, the Big Short, which is at least kind of a comedy, but still like that's just a drama that thinks you're stupid. That doesn't make it a comedy. <laughs> um, and then Spy and Trainwreck, which are actual comedies, at least. Spy is really good. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember really liking Spy. And I have not seen Trainwreck, so I can't speak to that. But uh, The Martian, not really a comedy. Big Short, not really a comedy. Joy, not really a comedy. Good job at uh, identifying what comedies are, Golden Globes. Of uh, course, none of them are musicals. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well... Why? What musicals would there have been in this year? I guess, like, Pitch None. Perfect 2? Oh, but yeah, but you know, but also, okay, this is going out of, uh, you know, a bit further drift. I would I will drift a bit away from, but speaking of, of Pitch Perfect, Pitch Perfect could have been a cult classic if they didn't do the sequels. Yeah. It just kind of, you know, messed with its uh, legacy. I'm trying to look up if there were any other... Oh, well, I guess, no, Straight Outta Compton they wouldn't have said was a musical, even though sometimes yeah. they do that. Oh, as... You know, it was not a musical, yeah. period. Spike Lee's Chirac was this year. I'm pretty sure that's a musical. Oh. Uh, and then, like, yeah, there's nothing else showing up. Like, Ricky and the yeah. Flash is about a musician, but that's not really a musical either. 2010s, you know, the only, like... Uh, musical stuff in that decade was coming from the Disney Channel. Yeah. And that's not really the award circuit, uh, you know, content. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but along with the Best Picture, Musical, or Comedy nomination of the Globes, Jennifer Lawrence wins Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy, uh, beating out Maggie Smith for The Lady in the Van, Lily Tomlin for Grandma, Melissa McCarthy for Spy and Amy Schumer for Trainwreck, which at least that's more comedies than the best picture lineup, but 
still, I don't know. But again, I, I probably it, it, she won that because of of her reputation yeah. more than the performance, probably. Uh, but again, again, as we already established, the performance it's fine. It's 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 good. It's good for what it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, not a comedy performance, but yeah. it's not like it's not like they're ever really. It's on definitely not a comedy performance. <laughs> uh, the Critics' Choice: Jennifer Lawrence is nominated for Best Actress, which uh, the lineup there it's the five actresses that end up getting the Oscar nomination plus Charlize Theron for Mad Max: Fury Road, which is a cool nomination and probably should have been nominated over Jennifer Lawrence for the Oscar, although that was never going to happen. Uh, but I think I think probably Brie Larson won there. I didn't write that down, but it would make sense because she was winning everywhere. Yeah, I think she won the the whole season. Yeah. She was the front runner. No one was expecting anything else. Funnily enough, uh, she's also nominated for Best Actress in a Comedy and loses that award as well to someone who wasn't nominated for Best Actress. Period. She loses to Amy Schumer for Trainwreck, which. I, I just think it's funny that you can be nominated for Best Actress and also nominated for Best Actress in a Comedy and lose that one to someone who isn't nominated for Best Actress. Just, they must have a, I, I, I don't know. I didn't have an ending to that sentence. I thought I would. Uh, you know, sometimes, no, they like to share the love. Yes, you know? they do. Uh, and then it's also nominated for Best Comedy and it loses that one to the big short. Uh, yeah, Critics' Choice. Kind of surprising. Like, that's one of the big indicators of Critics' Choice is no longer actually about what the critics like. It's just about trying to predict what the Oscars are going to go for because there weren't really that many critics that liked this movie or this performance or thought it was very funny. So, I like, it, it doesn't really hold up as a Critics' Choice nomination outside of she's probably going to get an Oscar nomination, so let's vote for her because we want to predict the Oscars. Also, uh, Jennifer Lawrence. And we're yes. still, you know, in the, the peak of Jennifer Lawrence. Even, well, actually, by that point, her, um, you know, her image had started to slowly crumble because a year prior, there was the, the third week. Oh, yeah. There was her, well, it was not only that. It was, uh, well, there was the photo leak uh and it was also she started speaking about the um pay gate fuck <laughs> she started speaking about the pay gap uh in american hustle because uh she was oh. paid way less uh, than her supporting co-stars despite having yeah. like similar screen time pay and at that gap. point she was said, definitely oh no fun. i thought i thought you said pig app I was trying to figure out what pig app you were talking about. Pig app, yes. Pig app, yes. The pig pig app. Pig app, because, yeah. And also, it was kind of, it was definitely kind of pure misogyny, because at that point, she was a bigger box office star than her fellow male co-stars, even if they are A-listers. But, like, she was definitely bringing a demographic that would not go to see that movie otherwise if it was not Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess, I don't know. Just people don't everything. like women who, well, not people, but like men usually. Industry, society, the, in industry. the industry, yeah. They don't like women who don't play by the rules. And that 2014 is kind of like the year that 
she starts to be vocal about issues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so this is literally, 2015 is like, hala. well, yeah, it's really literally an end for, an end for the era of like... Yeah, for this particular dominance. era of her as like a yeah. shoe-in for an Oscar nomination. Like, she makes a movie, she's going to get a nomination. Uh, if it's even remotely approaching prestige. And then this is, yeah, kind of the end of that. And who knows, maybe it'll happen for her. I mean, I, I can't imagine this is going to be her last nomination, period. Like, she ha- she's going to get more nominations at some point in the future. It's oh, definitely. She, she's talented enough. And if she's going to be smart with the projects she chooses, and it seems like she's going to be smart. But okay, Adam McKay projects are not so promising for the awards but again the 824 but okay 824 is <laughs> their yeah. campaigning strategies are kind of shit but then again there is a Paul Sorrentino collaboration that could be promising at least maybe not if not in America maybe in Europe yes uh, it definitely could you know do well in the festival circuit and yeah. who knows uh, Imagine so Jennifer Lawrence winning, you know, a Best Actress award at Cannes. I could see it happening. That would be so dope. I could absolutely see that happening. Uh, I would love that. Some other, uh, like, Guild nominations this gets. It's nominated for the American Cinema Editors for Best Comedy Editing. Loses that to the big short. Uh, the Art Directors Guild. It's nominated for Best Contemporary Art Direction, which... I can kind of see. Like, yeah, but it's... Like, there's some interesting set design stuff at the QVC place, but other than that, it's just kind of like houses and yeah, it's, warehouses. It's, 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 again, it has potential and it doesn't go all the way in. Yes. Like, like something like American Hustle, which makes really interesting use of its production design, costume design, whatever. Uh, it it does get a Costume Designers Guild nomination for Best Contemporary Costume Design, which I don't really know where that one came from because like yeah. none, of the, none of the costumes really stand out here. It doesn't really seem like it's... I don't know. I mean, again, we have the girl bosser look, but it's yeah. it doesn't do as much as it could. Yeah. And then the uh, Casting Society, it gets a, a Best Casting for a Big Budget Comedy nomination. I mean, it has a stacked cast um, it does it really like there's a lot of big names yeah and and world. those actors even if performances are messy but they definitely most of them especially the women they definitely uh do the most they can with what they are given yes uh, the men <laughs> they're yeah. just vibing the men yeah. are vibing yeah uh critic stuff she gets nominated uh two different critics circles in phoenix arizona for whatever like there's two separate phoenix critics groups that both nominated her and then also detroit film critics nominated her but those are the only like critics nominations that she gets which makes it all the more puzzling why critics choice would nominate her when none of the critics really seemed to uh vibe with her all that much but hey critics choice is uh broken i guess um but yeah this movie didn't get that many critics nominations anywhere like it got a few in comedy film and ensemble but that's really the extent of it um although two places where this movie did show up uh the mtv movie and tv awards and the teen choice awards 
But again, uh, this is only because of the Jennifer Je- yes, Lawrence. Yes, because Je- it's Jennifer Paula. Lawrence while the teens and the MTV crowd are loving. Like she, uh, no, she doesn't win. She's nominated uh, at MTV for Best Actress. I guess just Best Actress generally. Uh, the winner is Charlize Theron for Mad Max, which again is really cool. And then Alicia Vikander for Ex Machina. Anna Kendrick for Pitch Perfect 2, which is why I remembered that was this year, because I wrote it down when I was doing my notes. Uh, Daisy Ridley for Star Wars, and uh, Marina Baccarin for Deadpool, which I guess had opened early enough in 2016 that they just counted it for that yeah. year. Um, and they, uh, those performances make way more sense for the demographic yeah. of the awards. <laughs> yeah, it's like all the, uh, the blockbuster stuff. Uh, Deadpool, Star Wars, Mad Max, Pitch Perfect 2, Ex Machina, because it's like a cool genre movie that people were really into, and like that is a cool pick. And then I, I can't imagine many MTV people were actively seeking out joy as like a cinematic experience, more so as a <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence vehicle. Uh, yeah. But then it also gets nominated for an award just called True Story. I guess, which uh, stri- Straight Outta Compton wins. And then the other nominees are Concussion, Steve Jobs, The Big Short, and The Revenant, which, what a set of movies that is. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. And then at the Teen Choice Awards, uh, she actually does end up winning their choice movie actress in a drama, uh, beating out Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl, Brie Larson for Room, uh, Jessica Chastain for The Martian, Tessa Thompson for Creed and Jennifer Garner in a movie called Miracles from Heaven, which I do not remember. Well, this makes so much sense because she definitely had at that point way more star power than all of them, maybe oh, even yeah. combined. Especially so, with the teens. Especially yeah, with the teen so crowd. It's not surprising at all. Yeah. And uh, moving on from the teens, you know who else really loved this movie? Is the old people, because this movie was the nomination leader at the AARP Movies for Grownups Awards with seven <laughs> nominations. What is uh, this? E- oh my God. Yeah. I'm actually looking at the Wikipedia. So it is nominated. It is. Uh, it's nominated for seven awards, the most of any movie that year with AARP. It is nominated for Best Picture, which it loses to Spotlight, uh, Best Director, which it loses to Ridley Scott for The Martian, uh, Best Supporting Actress, which it wins for Diane Ladd. Uh, she wins their Best Supporting Actress this year. Which I is- mean, it's it's. I think her performance. It sounds. It sounds kind of logical that the grown-ups, yeah. the, the elderly people, would relate <laughs> to her and would enjoy her. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That also, makes sense. Yeah. Also nominated Best Supporting Actor Robert De Niro, uh, who loses to eventual Oscar winner Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies. Uh, it's, it wins Best Screenplay which is <laughs> well that's very, uh, too generous <laughs> uh, and then it's nominated for best comedy which it loses to the intern and best time capsule which it loses to love and mercy the uh, brian wilson movie uh yeah apparently aarp was head over heels in love with joy it kind of makes sense i mean maybe it's the, the right demographic for the movie maybe they remember the infomercials that joy you know. did and they were like ooh interesting that's a movie for us apparently, let's check it out apparently so apparently they uh they could not get enough joy they found the representation that they were like looking for this movie 
is about me. I am the old grandmother that's going to die after giving important life advice to my granddaughter, Jennifer Lawrence. I don't know. I am the angry Italian lady. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Who is gaslighting if, the, if, the daughter of her boyfriend. If any, like, if anyone was going to nominate Isabella Rossellini for this movie, I would have expected AARP. Man. That's so sad, actually. They should have nominated her. She's gr- She's... A delightful well, she did, she does mess. Way more. She does way more than Diane Ladd. She does she? And she's yeah. in, like she has more of a bearing on the actual. I guess it's easier to relate to Diane Ladd, and it's easier, you know, to 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 Rossellini. Maybe you know, maybe so. you know, Rossellini in this film had what they wanted to have, but they don't like they don't have the the money. They don't. Yeah. They're not from Italy. They don't have the yacht, or <laughs> you know, they were like a bit jealous of her, so they nominated the, the depressed lady. That's you know, just spending her whole time watching soap operas on TV yeah. and being afraid of, of men. I guess yeah. so. It's more relatable. Yeah. Uh, do we want to tell... Wow, that's not how you say that word. Do we want to talk about this uh, Best Actress lineup that we actually ended up getting at the Oscars? I've talked about it before on the show when I did my episode on 45 Years. Yeah, I, I uh, remember listening to that one, yes. Uh, and at that point, I had not yet seen this movie, so I didn't have thoughts on Joy to discuss. But it is, I mean, aside from, we, we, we've already heard my thoughts on Jennifer Lawrence. She's fine, but it's not necessarily nomination. It's definitely the but, weakest one from the bunch. Yes, but the other four are really strong. Like, it is four really, really, really good performances from these other four actresses. And... uh yeah, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on them. Well, it's been... Okay, I, the only film I haven't watched is 45 Years. It has been on my on my radar ever since I, I listened to your episode on this film, but uh, it's not really something I am seeking out to watch, so it's it has stayed there, but... Uh, all the other performances... Well, I watched Carol for the first time last Christmas and it was very pleasant and I was falling in love with Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara uh, as everyone should after seeing Carol and also like even speaking about Carol of course there was this controversy about the the nomination split because of course yeah. both Rooney and Kate they are leads yes. <laughs> they're colleagues the same with Alicia Vikander, who eventually wins Best Supporting Actress in the Oscars that year, she's also a co-lead uh, yeah. <laughs> that has a screen time of a leading performance. Uh, so yeah, there's so many uh, performances that you could nominate instead of of, of Jennifer's Joy uh, this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there's either of the two that are in supporting there's Charlize Theron, there's like, it's it's a really good year for movies led by actresses. And it is, it's just kind of a little bit of a head scratcher that Jennifer Lawrence was able to overcome the pretty much universal bad to underwhelming reviews that the movie got. uh, And just on her star power alone, kind of coasted to this nomination. Uh, but like it also, in in the same way, makes sense because 
the star power is just so undeniable that like of her and of David or Russell that like voters that aren't quite ready to like throw in the towel on them and be like, well, we're done with you, uh, that they would still vote for her even if they're not giving the movie their votes in any other categories. Also, we know that sometimes, well, not even sometimes, maybe quite often, the Academy voters, they love to vote for their friends. And, yeah. you know, David Russell, even if he is a piece of shit, he uh, seems like a guy who would have lots of friends in the industry and, of course, in the Academy as well. But, yeah, and, well, going back to the performances again, uh, I think my choice maybe uh well I haven't seen Brooklyn and Room in a while. Uh but well Carol is my most recent watch and I think I would have given the award to Caitlin Chet. I think you know what she does in that film it's it's just mesmerizing. Uh because she's very, you know, simplistic in her mannerisms and her body language. And that's the magic of it. It just works because she's so seductive and so mystical and just really, it's so sexy to watch her yeah. <laughs> do whatever she does. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. I, so, I go back and forth between her and Charlotte Rampling because like they're very different performances, but they're both just mesmerizing in what they're able to do with just little moments of, just extremely emotionally giving and generous and like like moments that are generous to the audience in what they're showing while still being very reserved on like a on a character level uh they're they're both able to work in those sort of spaces to some really interesting effects uh and i think i probably lean a little bit more towards charlotte rampling but like ask me on another day and I could say the same thing about Kate Blanchett. It is, and like ask me on another day and I could say the same thing about Saoirse Ronan too. And like Brie Larson is, for as much as I would still probably rank her fourth of this lineup, she's still really good and it's not a win that I look back on as a bad one. I think you know, she, What helps her is probably her role is the juiciest in the way that, you know, uh, she's there's suffering lots the of most. power like in the emotions yeah. in her character is uh, a feeling so it's you know the easiest to appreciate because it's the easiest to notice yeah uh because yeah like we always have a like even you know there's this whole joke about when people uh, state their favorite performances it's screaming men most of the times it's it's yeah. screaming men <laughs> uh so while Oh, actually, what's funny is Brie Larson's character's name in it's Room Joy. is also Joy. Yeah, and then also <laughs> so this Joy year... Joy won, but the wrong one. Yeah, and then also this year is Inside Out, which also the main character is Joy in that one. The year uh, of Joy, 2015. Year of Joy. Yeah, nothing more to add on that, but just that's kind of a funny coincidence. Yeah, um, but yeah. Yeah, it was like for the room was... It was like right after uh, Short Term 12. Uh, yeah, but in the Short Term yeah. 12, it was uh, too small of a movie to be appreciated by the Academy. Yeah. Uh, and Room, I wonder who made Room? Uh, oh, it was distributed by A24. Interesting. Yeah, uh, the, 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 whole, the whole sort of like story of Room, I think it premiered at 
TIFF, I want to say, uh, Toronto Film Festival, and then like won the People's Choice Prize there. A24 picked it up. And from there, it sort of like... It was had... not Toronto. It was no. Telluride. Oh, Telluride, I don't know how... that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. The other uh, TIFF. <laughs> yes, the, the, other, the other one. Uh, so it premieres at Telluride, wins People's Choice there. A24 picks it up. And then from there, it just like snowballs into momentum. Like it is able to gr- like very quickly take up a spot in the best picture lineup uh when it was like it it was like people hadn't seen it people didn't really know what to expect from it and then bam it's like okay this is a a best picture nominee almost a lock basically and then free larson very quickly like heads to the top of the best actress race jacob tremblay is always in the conversation uh but he's a child actor and they don't know if they're going to put him in lead or supporting and that kind of you know kills any sort of a campaign they could have put there Adapted screenplay seems like a given. And then the momentum is just so big that by Oscar morning, it gets a nomination for director too that nobody really expected. But like it just sort of happens and it just shows how strong that movie is that whole season. Uh, And like with that sort of momentum behind it, I don't think anyone really expected anyone other than Brie Larson to win this one. Yeah, it was definitely like indie-ish movie of the that had this kind of breakthrough into the mainstream even if like it didn't really show in the box office but it seems like people were aware of the film oh yeah yeah and a lot of that is because she was winning everywhere leading up to like she even wins at BAFTA over Saoirse Ronan and Kate Blanchett and Charlotte Rampling which, like, if that doesn't show you how strong this movie is, that she's able to win at BAFTA over these three, uh, you know, very... British yeah. women and yeah. also an Irish woman, yeah. young lady. Yeah, because BAFTA, they always prefer the natives. Yeah, and, and it, it so... shows you how strong you are if you're an American that can beat out a predominantly British and Irish field. And... uh yeah, it's. I mean, it's a it's a strong lineup. It's, uh, I'm glad that I got to talk about it twice because, uh, well, one of them is a very good performance, and one of them gives me another avenue to talk about it again. So, at the very least, I'm glad that I got to revisit this lineup uh, through the avenue of joy, even if it wasn't my favorite. Yeah, well, someone always has to be at the end of the list. Yes. You know, you know, may, you know, maybe it's good that Jennifer Lawrence was nominated because it would have been like very uh heartbreaking to put like uh whether it be maybe Rooney Mara if she was leading or Alicia Counter if she was leading or Charlize Theron if she got a nomination. It would be like very heartbreaking to have the list of these very strong performances and have to put someone at the bottom. Yeah. And, you know, with Jennifer, it, it's a kind of an easy way out. You know, yeah. it's an easy way out. <laughs> Sometimes we have to be grateful. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to put it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else to say about this year's Oscars or do we want to move on to our final thoughts and final segment here? I mean, it's not really about the best actress. Uh, Best Actress nomination. Well, in a way it is, because uh, the real, well, again, it's kind of, it's kind of um, maybe wrong to discredit Jennifer, but uh, 
her, you know, now the narrative that's kind of occurring is that her win uh, for Slow Mike's playbook was was because of Mr. Harvey yeah. <laughs> and his shenanigans. And it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of wrong not to mention that one of the reasons why Jennifer kind of got into the nominations is again because of Harvey shenanigans because two very strong leading ladies were put in the supporting categories thanks to Harvey yeah yeah so it's hard to get around some of those conversations but (laughs) yeah uh, we yeah we don't have to dwell on that much but yeah worth noting at the very least yeah uh interesting year for the Oscars uh, we talked about it both of the times that I've done 2015 year or movies so far, but this is the second year of Oscars So White. And that's also just worth noting that like all these performances by uh, actors and actresses of color were snubbed while someone like Jennifer Lawrence is able to coast to a nomination on uh, less than great reviews. And I think even if there weren't as many contenders in lead actress that were uh, that were vying for this last spot uh, as there were in like supporting actor and supporting actress. Uh, it's still, I remember a lot of the discussion was around how like people like Idris Elba uh, were unable to get a nomination for a performance that was like universally beloved while Jennifer Lawrence, I, again, different category, but still that, yeah. she, that she was able to get a nomination for reviews that weren't nearly as positive on her. And that's just something uh, worth noting. Uh, And we don't have to dwell on that that much either. But yeah, I think that'll put a close on this conversation here and we can move into our final segment. So in your uh, fantasy world where you get to pick all the nominations, uh, what, if any, nominations would you have given Joy? I mean, hmm, I wonder. Well, definitely, there has to be Best Supporting Actress nomination for Miss Eversolini. Well, I know, I don't think she's a miss, but, you know, for, of course, of course. Or... Yeah, I, I <laughs> think... I, in the serious note, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's not yeah. really deserving of anything. It's, it's really a filler movie for the award season, but... The wood season was stacked that year, so th- there was not really a need for filler. So exactly, exactly. I do co- like. I would have to. I, I mean, obviously, there are many better supporting actress performances <laughs> in this year, but it, on a long list, I might put Isabella Rossellini, just because she's enjoyable in this movie that I found otherwise kind of tedious. She's fun to hate. Yeah, she she's fun just to to sort of marvel at what she's doing here. Uh, and just like, why is she here? <laughs> yeah, what is the point of this character? What is the point of this plot line? But yeah, I thought she was at least uh, interesting. Uh, but yeah. yeah, no, I, I don't think I would... She has fun. Yeah. And sometimes that's what matters. Exactly. Yeah, no, I would not have nominated this anywhere else. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't have nominated. Best, oh wait, <laughs> my like random thought was best original song, but it was a cover. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The singing in this Honestly, is good. Honestly, but like now it's kind of if they you know wanted to kind of uh, play on the oh Jennifer Lawrence singing movies uh, 
fangy gimmick, why didn't it give her like an original song so he could maybe get a first song nominations and nomination the- somehow? Yeah. That's the lost opportunity. Oh well, maybe for uh maybe she'll write a song for the Adam McKay movie and it'll happen then. <laughs> I don't think she would write it, but no, maybe no. someone will write for her. Adam McKay might write for A- her. Adam McKay writes the song. He gets his Oscar for original song. But I, honest, honestly, going back again to the screening match, like the, the, the times that I have come back that little gossip, it just feels like it kind of matches the pacing of, of his film just a bit a mess but i just had once again another thought maybe the screaming match was about the fact that he tried to make jennifer sing because like one of the biggest like uh press stories for walking jay part one was how jennifer was uh, very anxious about singing because she hates uh i think she hates her singing voice if i remember well or at least like she she suffered like having people listen to her try to sing uh so it's interesting what made her uh be like yeah i will sing for this <laughs> could be yeah who's to say uh i would I, w- I would be curious to find out what that would have been for uh if if it did in in fact actually happen and who's to say maybe uh I mean, I can't imagine he's going to survive this, uh, this, like, it, it feels very intentional that this movie came out in 2015 and then Me Too happened in 2017 and he's just been, like, very quietly backing away since then and is, like, now finally coming back out with another movie, like, Hey, maybe I avoided it. Maybe I can. I mean, no. Oh, he didn't avoid it. He had his own Meaty story. Oh, he did. He definitely did. But like, it it wasn't as big. In like, there. I I would not be surprised if there are people that don't know about all the stuff that has been uh, accused uh, with him. Oh, definitely, because you know he was. on a download or making movies at that yes. point. But, so but there I, was some like con- little controversy when his new movie was announced and like the whole cast was started to, you know, uh, appear on the internet. People were like very uh, unhappy with some people choosing to work with him. Yeah. Like, uh, like okay, Christian Bale is also a bit of a piece of shit but it just feels very hypocritical when he was talking about how he had to defend Amy Adams from him on the set of American Hustle and he's once again working with him then Taylor Swift who tries to be you know who also had her own sexual harassment case even if it's you know let's say it was like it's on a smaller scale than you know some of the situations in the industry but you know she was on the time magazine cover as well and it just feels so disheartening to have her work with a man like that now. yeah yeah you know there was some and of course Anya Taylor Joy is the the current Ed girl and of course the internet was very sad to see her in in this lineup you know there there were some conversations but yeah. I'm just a again I'm, it was in the bubble in the specific yeah. bubbles of the internet I'm just very curious to see uh, if that movie will survive the uh, like I'm all, there's no way it's going to 
get smooth sailing f- to a release and a, uh, uh, a like a proper awards run without controversy. But I feel like it's going to be the it could end up being the kind of thing that like avoids the controversy altogether. Like it's still very much the there in the conversation. Power. Might but, win. Yeah, but it, it still gets votes anyway. It still gets nominated. Because like Christian Bale, Margaret Robbie, John David Washington, Rami Malek, Zoe Saldana, Robert De Niro, Mike Myers, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, Anya Taylor-Joy, Andrea this- Risenborough, you know, Taylor Swift again. Like these are big, well, some of, of course, are bigger than the others, but yeah. either big or at least recognizable names for the Academy, you know, and then... Yeah. Uh, we will see. difference. They we will would, see. yeah. Maybe you know, maybe Christian Bale would would take it very seriously if he was not. You know, who who knows? Maybe no one wants to anger Christian Bale. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, I, I guess we'll uh, we will find out eventually what happens with that movie if that's going to be an actual awards thing or if it's just gonna fall flat or who's to say? But uh, yeah, I think at this point we are pretty much done with all of the things that are there to be said about joy uh there's there's really really nothing more left to say about that movie we kind of milked it for all it's worth uh, i think that'll yeah it's fine the message yeah. of this episode it's it's fine it it's... has potential it did not you know match the potential it's fine yeah uh, well, uh, uh, thank you very much for coming on. This this was great. I had a lot of fun talking about this movie and about all of the sort of ephemera associated with it. It was a very, very fun episode that we uh, threw together there. Yay! Yeah, so uh, uh, where can people find you? What, what do you have uh, social media-wise? I mean, I have my Instagram. We can check it out that I barely do anything with at this point in my life but maybe i will start posting something interesting who knows who knows so uh, yeah my instagram is just a mindful name in revagaita and you will find it (laughs) okay and uh yeah you can find this show on twitter and letterboxd at lone acting noms and on instagram at the lone acting nominees that'll be it for this episode thank you for listening (laughs) 